Gig Gab, the show for working musicians, episode 296 for Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. Welcome to Gig Gab, the show by, for, and about working musicians. Here, as usual, in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Napomo, California, Paul Kent. And Paul, uh, you know, we teased up at the end of last week's episode that we had a question about in-ears, and then we didn't go into it. And I can't be happier that it worked out exactly that way. Because I got a call from our friend Dan East, the mix doctor, who's been on this show before and does this stuff every day, almost all day. And he had some thoughts for us. And I thought, thank goodness we didn't answer the question. But thank goodness we teased it up because that way Dan knew the Gig Gab family is alive and well. Dan East, thank you for joining us on the show. Welcome, Dan. <laughs> Thanks. I, I'm excited i'm always excited to come on with you guys you guys are the the one of the only podcasts i only listen to a couple as you as you know and and i talk back to mine like a crazy person i listen to you guys as soon as i see i get the alert and i listen and i'm listening to the show and i literally speak out loud about it and i make notes and then i text yeah <laughs> well dan's been our buddy for years you know dan dan mixed the macworld all-star uh, band at uh, the Red Devil at the Lounge. The Red Devil, right? that's right. Yep. In San Francisco. And then also and, came uh, and played drums with us, I think, at the absolutely. exact same gig. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, working musician out of in Florida and uh, a teacher, a, a, a drum teacher and, a, and an excellent drummer and an excellent sound guy and an excellent educator. So, Dan, it's really cool. You know, we haven't seen each other in a while since that thing that brought us all together, you know, went up to the ether. But uh, through the magic of Zoom, we get to do some uh, help people around the world learn about in-ears. So you up for that? Absolutely. I, I just love listening and I love talking to you guys. And, and it's, it's really, it's, it's just so great to, to get to hang out with you this way. If yeah. we can't do it the other way. Yeah, that's true. And this time we get to hear you when you talk to us, instead of it just being uh, <laughs> absorbed by your car's dashboard. Hey, don't, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually can very clearly see, you know, as much as I know, Dan, you know, a, Incredibly smart guy, incredibly creative guy. I have this vision of him driving down the highway in Florida, palm trees on either side of him, and us saying something that he doesn't agree with. And I can visually see him yelling at the radio, stop, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm yep. sure it happens That's more often than not. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I actually, I was laughing so hard one day that I was out working out. I'm getting all sweaty down, you know, it's beautiful weather. I'm sorry to tell everybody. And I'm out and I was laughing so hard at one point that somebody pulled over and said, Hey, you okay? <laughs> That's awesome. Like, Oh boy. Here yeah, we go. So I love you guys. Were you we trying that. to be funny at the time or, or we were just abusing you? It was, as I recall, it was something that I recognized what you were alluding to uh -huh. on the personal side, but it was yes, universally. It was funny. There you go. Good. That's Good. right. Yeah, there's some history there that, that, that right, that, that yeah. you, you might know what we're talking about when we are intentionally obscuring things, perhaps. So. And you, know, you, you two guys, you know, you're both my buddies, have both kind of been with me on this journey of trying to get in-ears right. I mean, I've kind of leaned on both of you guys over the years. Dan has sent me long emails about things to try with regards to... Um, EQ settings and, you know, how to get a mix right in the ears. Dave, you know, you, we talk about, I don't know that uh, that two months goes by without me asking you, how about if I try this or will this product work yeah. or, you know, those types of things. So maybe we can go a little, a little bit further. Technology's come along a little bit more and uh, maybe Dan has some new things to share. And again, uh, just to remind everyone, I'm a guitar player and a singer and a band leader. The feeling of being separated from the world when I lead the band is tough my sensitivity when something changes in my ears makes me crazy. If something all of a sudden gets louder and the mix is off, I'm ready to pull them out and, and you know, assume that it's not going to be for me again. So I'll just leave that out there. But, you know, we've got, we've got listener questions. We've got, this is, this is in-ear palooza. It is. So yeah, what, what I, what, what I, what I want to do here. So Paul, you've begun to pave the path, which is excellent. We have uh, the listener question that we mentioned last week that we would be remiss if we did not share. 
I have one little tidbit of my own to share that I kind of want some answers on. And so we will set all that up and then we will go and Dan will guide us through how he would help solve these problems and perhaps how he will help solve these problems. So uh, listener Matt says, greetings from Western Australia. Uh, says, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thought I'd drop a line. Uh, he says, I'm a singer, acoustic guitarist, and I frequently play in a duo with a drum kit. Occasionally we're background music, but our regular gigs are upbeat, get a dance floor going in a medium sized pub bar kind of thing. And it's always through our own PA. Recently, we've been thinking about going down the road of in-ears. We struggled to get enough volume from a floor wedge between us to get adequate vocals to me without it either feeding back or being too loud for the room. We're thinking of trying to put together a budget-friendly in-ear system, but we don't want to lose our connection to the crowd. Do you know if ported in-ears are good? Do they defeat the purpose? Uh, he says, anytime I've tried regular musicians' earplugs, I find myself simply turning up the monitor wedge louder and louder as I can't hear the vocals as well as I need to. And then I end up straining my voice and eating the mic. I would love any thoughts as well. Uh, thanks for the great conversations you both present. So uh, this idea, and we went back and forth with Matt a little bit, and he started to share some of the same things that you were saying, Paul, when the, when the mix gets muddy. And I ran into this recently when I was setting up for this theater gig that I'm doing with, uh, with Next to Normal, where in our first rehearsal, like I almost stopped playing. I was so like frustrated with the mud and the, the low end. I'll call it distortion, but it's really just too much. It's it, it's there's too much energy down there. It probably was distorting, but it wasn't actually distorting in terms of the way that we would think about uh, classic distortion. And the way that I fixed it was at set break, or I always call it set break in the theater. People laugh at me. It's intermission or whatever. Uh, but at intermission, I completely rebuilt my mix. I set everything down to zero. Uh, I brought the overall master level of the send to me down about 6 dB from where it was at. Like when I say I brought things to zero, I brought the faders down to nothing. So negative 60 or something. I brought the the send down from zero dB to maybe negative six, maybe even negative eight dB. And then I started adding things in that I needed. And I we're off stage. We're in a band pit. So I need everything. It's not like there's any sound happening around me other than my drums, which I also like to have. So I'm not overplaying uh, because my ears tend to block those out. And And I rebuilt the mix. And even messed with the EQ on the output to me to sort of deal with some of that excess low end energy. And and I and I was able to build a, a good mix. Uh, and and so, like, I know that that can solve the problem, uh, but I don't know. I, I want to know more about why. <laughs> and Dan, that's why we have you here. I, I am. I am going. Okay, I got to go. Bye. Yeah, that's perfect. So, <laughs> Dan, out. you go. I'm going to make everybody just wait one second uh, to talk with you because I have something very important to share. I want to tell everybody about our sponsor, which is Banzoogle. Banzoogle is, well, they are a service built by musicians for musicians. You know that this sounds familiar to you because it's what we say here on the show all the time, right? We're working musicians. It's what we do. They are the place for you to put, create, and host your website and electronic press kit for your music. So that's for your solo music, for your band, whatever it is you have. And they know what you need because they're musicians, but they're also web geeks. So they know how to build the stuff that you don't want to have to mess with. And that's what's beautiful about Banzoogle. They've got not only all the tools that you need and templates that you need to host your site without needing to know how to build HTML or anything like that. You start with a template, you modify it, you put your own images in, you set your own colors, and suddenly it's yours and then they've got tools to sell your merch, your music, crowdfunding tools, fan subscriptions features, mailing lists, all of the above, commission-free. You get the money that your fans are paying or sending to you. Of course, they've got all the social media integrations and live support from their musician-friendly 
team seven days a week. And for being a Gig Gab podcast listener, you can go to bandzoogle.com. You try it out free for 30 days and then use the promo code GIGGAB. So that's G-I-G-G-A-B, all one word. That gets you 15% off your first year of any subscription. So bandzoogle.com, promo code GIGGAB. And our thanks to Banzoogle for sponsoring this episode. Thanks, Banzoogle. Yeah. All right, Dan. We've talked Super enough. Cool. It's your turn, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So feel free to interrupt me if I get too rolling and too weird and too techy or too too novice or whatever. Absolutely. We will we will we will and be your guardrails here. Yes. Absolutely. Please. Yeah, like we're bowling in the kitty lane and you guys are my bumpers. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. So here's the thing. <laughs> So here's the thing. Okay. A couple of things. First of all, in your situation, Dave, what you did is hundred percent correct. When you don't know what's going on, reset your mix. That's what I want to do for Paul as well. We'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> if you're not sure what's going on, pull everything down to nothing and start from yourself. Make sure you build your mix correctly with yourself as the focal point and only at about 75%. But before any of that, you have to make sure you're not getting too much noise through whatever is driving your earpieces. So if your headphone amp is hissing, or if you're you're overdriving, or if it's clipping, if it's a wireless, or if you're clipping your headphone amplifier, whatever it is, you want to make sure that everything is pretty much at a nominal point. Okay? That way you're starting basically with, relatively speaking, silence. That way, if you start with yourself, especially if you play and sing, okay, you don't you you, you want to use your mono first, but your mono is also where all that low mid buildup comes from. Your low energy builds up, and it's not always in the lows. There's boominess and there's mushy muddiness, both of which can create the perception, as you describe, of distortion. Okay, and it's true. You're it's the energy. A lot of times this comes with stacked armatures because where the crossovers live. Totally. A lot of times it it happens where you're trying to pull one of the frequencies at that crossover point, which is common in a lot of systems, loudspeaker systems as well. And that fatigue can happen. It's important to to pay attention and to listen to yourself because you're most familiar with yourself. Now that being said. You also have to take into account vocally the range of your head voice. Your head voice lives in that sort of mid-rangey, bone-conductive sort of vibration range. And what you want to kind of do is embellish that first. Knowing what you can hear, the way you plug your, you put your fingers in your ears when you sing. Yeah. Knowing where that frequency is, you know, maybe it's 200 to 400, maybe it's you know, 160 to whatever it is, depending on your, the timbre of your voice, you want to make sure that you sound like you to yourself. And that can be your guitar. It can be your, your snare. It can be whatever. The same way. If you were playing guitar, you walked over and you were 10 feet, hopefully not closer than that from your amp. And you just plugged the guitar into the amplifier, no pedal board, no nothing and got your tone. Okay. Hey, I can hear every string at every fret. I can hear everything the way I want it to hear. It's all even. It's smooth. Nothing's biting out at me. Nothing's barking out at me. It's a nice, even tone. Set your mic in the right position. Make sure before you do anything else that what's going in is as good as it can be. Put good in, get good out, right? That, that makes sense. Now, I, I want to share one little litmus test that people can use for themselves. If you and this because I was finding this at the theater as I was fighting my way through act one of, of this uh, dress rehearsal. If you're finding that you or I was finding that I was turning things up to solve problems. And as soon as I realized that I was doing that, be, only because I've been in this situation before, that's when I decided, OK, reset back to zero. Turning up and turning up is often almost always, in fact, number one mistake, dude. Right. Number one mistake. Yeah, it's and it's it's taught to people this way. People are told when they're using their own mixers, when they're using an, you know, an Avium or I love the hearback system or the ME one or the P 16 or whatever it is. Yep. Your, your immediate reaction is going to be, if I can't hear something, turn it up. And that's the worst possible thing you can do because you're only contributing to an already uh, uh, occluded layered situation. And that's where all that mush comes from. Think of it like it's Photoshop, like, or, you know, if if you layer on top of layer on top of layer on top of layer, suddenly your opacity doesn't give you any, there's no transparency to anything. And you just have this blob. Um, 
it's 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 an issue. It's it's an issue, and it's very common because now that it's sort of the standard, people don't realize you know how much how much noise and how much miscellaneous energy goes to your ears, and you want to have smoothness. You want to have your mix together. We call it a bed mix. You want to have your basic mix together with the least amount of inputs possible right. before you ever start messing with anything else so that it's natural. Now, let me qualify this a little bit because there are so many variables to this. One is that every person you talk to, and I don't care if it's a touring monitor engineer or a front of house guy or studio, everybody wants to bench race, you know, like they say in racing, you know, everybody wants to be the best mechanic and they tell you, oh, he's always talking about my way, do it my way, my sure. way is better, my way is better. Well, and, and, and it's very subjective. There's a good reason for that because everybody learns their own path of efficiently getting these mixes set up because especially in a touring scenario, it's just like, I mean, it, it, in a sense, it's just like playing a bar gig. You get there, you set up, you play. You don't have right. tons and tons of time. So this makes sense that we all have our, our methods that have worked, whether they are correct or not, that we trust. That's right. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also the fact that what everyone likes and perceives for sound is unique to that person. So what might be loud to you, Paul might say, that's not loud enough and vice versa, or what you think is really, really bass heavy, somebody else might say, you know, uh, no, I think it's actually right where it should be. Yeah. It's all very subjective. So it's not to say that people that have different opinions about how to mix ears are wrong. They're not necessarily wrong. It's just subject to their personal preferences. It's one of the reasons why if I'm mixing ears for an artist, I will, I will always wear the same earpiece or as close as I can to what that person is wearing. So I am able to perceive the sound at least as closely as possible to the way that they are. Um, and that's fairly simple to do. I have earpieces from almost all the companies. Now, are we, are we able to share these, which artists you've, you've mixed for? I, I, I know you and I have shared privately, but can, can we, can we say? I, I, not necessarily. I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of different people. Uh, the one that's come up lately uh, uh, for all the major labels and stuff, the, the one that's actually come up lately from a long time ago, and I didn't mix years for was Warren Zevon. Mm. Um, I got to mix for him. And for some reason he took a liking to me as being notorious for being one of the most difficult guys, uh, monitor wise. And they called me in and, uh, that was a really fun one. But I mean, there, there've been a, a ton of major and minor labels. I've, I've done it at every level from, coffee house to bar at a restaurant to arena to stadium, uh, you know, TV, you know, pretty much yeah. every place you can do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I can attest to this folks. I, I just wanted to ask if we could share, um, thank you for, and, for and actually indulging. more recently between, you know, and even before COVID, um, when what they now call modern worship really became a thing where it was the full rock show with, with, you know, full production line arrays and some of the venues are are literally arenas um and stadium sized venues and everything in between you know from from you know 50 people all the way up to 5000 to 20000 people um that's right now particularly because of covid is yeah. the the work that i have and i work with churches around the country that are that are really doing full scale production really and truly full scale. And now it's all become broadcast mix. So it's even more critical to, to balance the house volume and then have a split to do a broadcast mix. So you, sure. you're in a lot of cases, you're having a front of house engineer, a monitor engineer, and then a broadcast engineer. That makes if, yeah, if you if you have the budget for it. Absolutely. As if that's right. And, and what's funny is, is that even that's not funny. The reality is, is that, is that even at the most basic level now, the technology has become so affordable that there's a there's one uh, there's one church that I work with that's a little neighborhood church. I mean, little, and they live stream every Sunday. It's awesome, and they uh, they have a a a stereo aux from their analog mixer that has an insert EQ and actually has a compressor like old school in the old days uh, when I lived in Philadelphia and they used to do a broadcast mix and you'd have two wireless units onto a DBX 166 and then an insert EQ and you'd scoop out all the low mids and everything. The, you know, the, yeah. 
the the LA curve they used to call it the old LA curve which we use for on stage as well the, the smiley the disco face smile too. yeah exactly yeah and we use that we use that on stage still for ears because of the same issue that low mid buildup either right. from side fills or backwash off the mix. Yeah, so, so now yeah, that I'm yes, completely let's, off track. I know, no, but bumpers, you guys? you brought us back. You brought us back and 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 I'm <laughs> I want to get back to this concept that that you you were bringing us back to that you called when we spoke before the show audio tetris because I think yes. that's a really good way for people to look at it. So I, I came up with this idea of audio tetris like the game tetris was the puzzle and they dropped down and and the idea being that it all has to fit together to create one whole image, one whole square. And, and no one thing can, no two things can share a block. This Correct. Is, this and you don't want anything key. to peek out. It's yeah. gotta be, it's gotta be, how does this work together? And the way that I, that I teach this is to think of, of a mix instead of being left and right or a, a, a straight line of mixing. I know I'm using my hands and I, nobody can see this. Um, it's, it's dimensional. It's a circle. It's a big circle. So in terms of where you get this occlusion or where you get this cancellation or this mush or the boominess in the ears or the distortion in the ears, imagine if you had two tennis balls, right? And you wanted to drop them into the can from above. You can't drop them side by side because one's going to get knocked out of the way. They can't occupy the same space. So unless you make space for it, it will not fit into its spot. Now, the reason why I use round like that is think of it as a vocal. Think of it as, as the singer's point of view. And it doesn't matter if you're the drummer or the guitar player or whatever you're doing. In the middle of the circle, like, like the solar system, okay, the sun is you. The way things sonically wrap around you is the key thing. So if you're thinking on a straight line and you're in the center, your instrument as a guitar player has to wrap around you. So the levels are almost the same. But it's still you in the middle. It it revolves around you, not over to one side, over to the other side. Because in a lot of cases, you you, you need to make sure you're using stereo whenever possible yeah. because of this. You have to allow the interaction, the physics of sound, not just the audible properties, not just what the things that you can hear, the things that your mind can perceive, that the brain perceives. Okay, When you start with that center, you start with that round middle and you think about the frequencies around it, the guitar covers around that space, keys around that space. Your snare drum lives right in that center frequency, but it reaches up to three and can even the snares can go up to 10, 11, 12, whatever. And if it's depending on the size of the drum and the tuning and all these other variables, you then wrap around that. Toms wrap around that. They're lower and wider. As you get lower, you get farther to the edge. And then the circle expands out from the middle. Now, when you have stereo and you have, let's say, two guitars, you can have a guitar at 10 o'clock and a guitar at 2 o'clock and still have them connect in the Tetris of that shape. Yeah. Another thing is to eliminate what isn't needed, particularly, and I'll get to the acoustic part in a second. If you have a keyboard player, sometimes two keyboard players, only the player needs the left hand unless you have no bass player. The rest of the band only needs to hear the, the melody or the, the prime or whatever it is that's going on. If it's a lead line, whatever it is, you don't need the left hand. So we've never put left hand of the keys. It, and it's again, it's not every scenario, not every situation. Sure. No, but these but are good the general rules. Part, yep, absolutely. Yes. You don't need that low end noise. And all those frequencies, when you think about a piano, you know, middle C is 260 hertz, I guess, middle C on a piano. Okay. Okay. That's your, your midpoint, your low midpoint where everything south of that creates mush and everything below that C one is your, all that rumbling boomy yeah. stuff. And a lot of the keyboards, digital keyboards, have the capability of generating these massive wide frequencies. And that's just going to occlude everything. It's just going to mush up your ears. You're going to lose all that. Okay. It, it, so amazingly, and I know you do this for a living, so it's not that amazing, but middle C is 261 Hertz. So very nicely done. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of where these things, the, the frequency that relates to the note is something that a lot of people don't pay attention to. 
And that's one of them. I mean, that's definitely one of them. You know, um, a piano can go down to, to, you know, what, 25 hertz or something like that. So you want to make sure that that doesn't live in your ears. And now that being said, most of your pieces don't generate frequencies well enough below, let's say 80 hertz, because it's not necessary. First of all, you're going to get vibration conduction through your spine, through your neck, from the stage. And this is another factor where you get distortion. If you're on a stage that has subs under the footing of the stage, that's going to vibrate through your feet, through your knees, through your whole body. And that in and of itself can cause distortion and can mask the lower frequencies creating that noise. It's also something in a smaller coffee house venue. If you carry a little sub with you and you sit next to it and that thing radiates out from it, it masks it's a perception thing. It's a, no, it's a, it's you, taking up you, energy and there's only a certain correct. amount of energy you can hear. And then there's fatigue over time too, that, that That's you need correct. to think about. That's yeah. That's okay. correct. So this is now add to that, right? Yeah. Add to that, that in the professional world, most earpieces that are not designed for consumer use, that they're designed, designed for professional stage applications will have a, I don't want to say, a space. It's a recessed low mid range. There's a little scoop. It's not that they're not there. It's just that they're pulled back a little bit because stage volume, hearing conduction through your nose and mouth, you know, ear, nose and throat doctors are ear, nose and throat doctors for a reason, because they're all interconnected. Mm. If you sing on stage and you open your mouth wide enough, that sound will make its way in through your upper respiratory system and affect your hearing, totally. nose, mouth, collarbone, all this stuff. So a lot of the earpieces will have a little bit of a, of a pullback in those ranges to allow that to naturally fill in in the stage volume situation. That makes sense. Um, That's why it doesn't and, often doesn't sound good to listen to music on pro grade in-ears. Correct. Because they, they're not, when they're not engineered stuff, for that. Yeah. That's right. So when you think about the products now that are coming out, Sennheiser and Waves and, um, a lot of the companies that are doing hybrid earpieces and things like that, they're, they're still leaving the, if you look at the the specs, the specs mean absolutely nothing, by the way, you can make up specs for any earpiece and, and steer them any way you want. But at the end of the day, when you put them in your head and you listen and you say like, you know, I feel like I feel that little withdrawal. It's just a yeah. little bit back. And then you sing and you realize this is your audio Tetris. So if your response of your ears is here, but your ear, your voice and your head voice live here, it goes and it fills in. And then suddenly everything sounds natural. Yeah. And that's, that's the the magic here. Now, relative to an acoustic gig, the biggest problem I find with, with coffee houses, uh, smaller venues, restaurant gigs is that people are afraid to use the high pass filter. They feel like it's too thin. They're using a small mixer. They're using a personal mixer. They're using a TF1 Yamaha or they're using a Q16 or whatever they're using or, you know, whatever it is that's a small, whether it's analog or digital. Sure. And don't realize that in a venue where you're dealing with an ambient noise level that's 75 decibels or higher, let's say, of just people chattering and just the, just the or din of the room. Yep. Yeah. That that is a factor that creates a level of, of pink noise. That's that broad across the spectrum, that, that noise that's just every frequency all at once, except in this case, you hear various things from sibilance and things in the room. So feeling the connection to your audience and navigating through that is, can be really complicated, but the best thing to do, and I don't care if it's a small venue or large venue, what system it is, is as we said before, put good in, get good out, use your high pass filter to get rid of anything below what you actually need. So so for people that, for people that don't speak sound engineer, the high pass filter yes. is also something we would call the low end roll off. You want to get rid Correct. of that extra low end that you think sounds good. Maybe when no one's in the club and then suddenly the place fills up, you've played a couple of songs. People are now the natural volume of the room has raised up because you are now being loud. And now you get that mud, that rumble, and it's coming in that low end energy range that we've been talking about basically all episode in different ways. And right. you don't want to be adding filter. to that. Yeah. 
Correct. High pass filter is literally allowing frequencies to pass above whatever point you designate. On the old analog boards, it was either 80 or 100, and it had a little push-button switch. Yeah. You'd push that, and everybody go, oh, it sounds too thin. It's like, no, no it doesn't. It, yeah, vo- it, vocals it doesn't. don't need... Vocals don't need anything Correct. above anything below. I would conservatively, I would say a hundred hertz. I, a lot of times, I'll start with even a hundred and fifty hertz rolling off vocals Correct. there, uh, and and there will be singers that yell at me for it because they're like, "Oh, I'm not feeling the monitor wedge like leap off the stage every time I say something." It's like, yeah, you 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 need to you need to temper that desire. It's not actually what you want. And there are ways to, one of the guys ways in my to band, make these corrections. Go ahead, Paul. One of the guys in my band, actually, I think you saw this, David, you sat in with it, actually asked for 60 hertz in his monitor. I, I, that moment lives with me to this day. It, 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 it astounded <laughs> me that, yes, someone would ask for more 60 hertz in their vocal-only monitor. Their keys yeah. were, like, the instruments were elsewhere. It was just the vocal monitor. It, it, it like, was like, oh. This is and then and then the situation proved out. The house rockers remain to this day the loudest band I've ever played with on stage. So, yeah. Yes, they, it is a loud band for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's, I have, it's a great I have band. Seen, you, I guys, have you guys know it's how to. One sweat. of my favorite bands is one of my favorite to this day. All these years later, still one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Um, now and, you guys know how to pour energy off the stage. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, we're trying yeah. to get over the volume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. So, and Dan, you know, again, I'll pause you just for a second. Yes, and put this please. in the back of your head as we get to it. So, again, that's the thing is, you know, my band is a loud band. And um, uh, we're going to give up the ghost on on trying to have the lecture about everybody needs to be more disciplined about stage volume. So give, give that up because, you know, it's not going to happen. Right. But what happens is in a loud band is that hearing fatigue for different guys and someone turns up and then my in-ears go to go to crap and I'm done. Right. So that's right. I'll, I'll let you answer that later, but, but that's where we're going. No, no but, I think that's a good question to okay. answer right now it is, is exactly that, right? Because that, that is going in addition to the crowd getting louder, people on stage are going to get louder. And so that's right. How, like I, I've always felt that in that scenario, when someone feels they need to hear more of themselves, I would prefer that the default be to either ask the monitor engineer to turn it up in the wedge or or in their ears or to do it in the wedge or their ears themselves if they have the ability to mix, you know, from the stage. The worst thing to do is to turn it up at the source. So, you know, at the amp, at the keys or the drummer, you know, playing, hitting harder, because now that turns it up for everyone that has it in their ears. Right. And that's so here's the challenge. The simple simple fix for that is something that most people don't seem to latch on to, which is your master volume on your belt pack or whatever. When you're playing the first couple of songs, leave it at about 75% and have your mix built around 75%. Before you change anything in your mix, because you knew your mix was okay, you can then turn up or down your master first. And if that doesn't work, then you turn everybody else down and then turn the master up, thereby allowing you to be louder. Also, when you're sound checking or you're setting up your mix, make sure that you set yourself up 15 to 20% lower than you ultimately will want it three, four, five songs in when you know you're going to need that space. It's like, it's, it's like when you, when you, I won't say who it is, but let's just say somebody says, mm-hmm. Hey, don't put that shirt in the dryer because it'll shrink. And I say, no, you buy it one size up so that you can put it in the dryer and that way, when it shrinks, it'll fit you, right? <laughs> no, that's a good way okay. of looking at it. Yeah, that's good. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I do. And this is the, the Th- theory. Things still okay at home, Dan? If Everything? you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's COVID thing. Anyway, <laughs> we're all healthy. It's fine. That's it's good. good. That's so, good. But you know what I'm saying? Think of it Think of it as as you already know this going in. You already know that repeatedly, consistently, that the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing, expecting a different outcome. You now know what's going to happen. So start with the bigger shirt. Okay. 
Yeah. And that way, when you need it, you go, I was totally ready for this. And if you don't need it, even better. Start with the master. Always, oh, that's right. Always (laughs) use this, the, the circle, the sound circle, not the straight line. Exactly, exactly correct. Now, there's a part of this also. Now, when you use that high pass filter and you say, I'm going to allow all the frequencies above X point to pass through and everything south of that is going to be eliminated. Yes, sometimes you go, it sounds really thin because that low frequency sometimes is relative to the proximity to the mic, how far away you are from your vocal mic or whatever. Sure. Now, people don't realize if you're going to back off the mic and you're going to high pass this thing at 160 or sometimes higher, you'd be amazed in a large venue in a big boomy room. Sometimes you, you're going up you know, you're high passing again. Don't not, you don't never go by what it looks like. I'm going up into 200, almost 300, depending on the slope of the high pass in a digital console, because if it sounds good, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah. Don't, I don't mix care. with and, your eyes, mix with your ears. I tell yeah. people, I don't, I don't care if it's green and furry. If it sounds great, I don't care. I don't care what it is. I don't care what brand it is. I don't care. Yep. Right tool for the right job. Now, when you do that, Sometimes it thins out because if you're a fist distance or a softball distance away, you know, the microphones, the pattern of the response, I've heard you guys talk about this many times, super cardioid, cardioid. I won't go crazy with this. Basically baseball, tennis ball, softball, omni, whatever. Okay. Mm. Now when you're off that mic and you're used to singing at a softball distance from that mic and you suddenly all the low end is high passed out of it, Instead of going, oh, no, that sounds horrible. Well, then you do a little sweep and destroy, a little seek and destroy, and you pick a frequency, like you boost it, and then you you move up and down until you find, oh, it's, it's popping out right at 2.5 kilohertz, let's say. And for proximity, a lot of the time in a vocal mic, that's where it'll be. You'll hear it, and you'll go, yeah, and it'll be like, oh, there it is drop it down and then adjust it as wide in a digital world, as wide a two as you need in order to then, Oh, the low pass and the high pass. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a low pass. So you can actually notch it out, but the high pass filter has done its job. And now all that energy and mush is gone. And now I've been able to remove that thinness from being where I'm used to being on the mic, even if I'm eating the microphone, as we like to call it, you know, you're making out with the mic. So you've now suddenly scooped out that and then, Oh, I sound like me again. Okay. So let me, let me explain this. uh, Let me consolidate this for folks. So the first thing you're doing (laughs) is, is you're, you're rolling off the low end to get that mush out of there. But as soon as you get the mush out of there, there's lots of energy left for you to hear what's left in the microphone and it might sound harsh or thin or something right. in that in that world. And the idea is instead of adding low end back in, you take out the harshness by sweeping that parametric EQ in your high mid range to find that range that sounds harsh. And and what you described is a great way to find that by turning it not down first, but up and sweeping and you hear the awful sound, and then you know, okay, leave it there, but instead of turning it up, just turn it down, and everything is good. Right. Okay. Now, make sure you don't have your ears all the way at max volume when you do that, because you can blow your brains out if totally. you're not careful. Yes. So you don't want to do an EQ sweep without turning down first. I want to make sure that's important. Thank now, you. Let's, let's think about it another way. Once you get this right, once you get all of your high-pass, low-shelf, notch filter, whatever you're going to do, And you go like, okay, each thing is where it lives. There's an interesting side effect when you're using really good quality in-ears, which is suddenly you go, well, this sounds as good as it can sound, and it still really doesn't sound that great. And you realize it's probably the wrong microphone for this. Mm. Everybody always said, hey, you know, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I'll throw, you know, the, the generic guitar mic on the generic guitar amp or whatever. And then... You kind of go like, I don't know, man. It doesn't sound like when I stand in front of the amp. And this is where guitar players have the most notorious issues or most, the most difficult to introduce ears to for most people. I have over the years developed a way of doing it, which is I don't let you even get near the stage to listen to the mix until I have your mix together on your rig. And mm-hmm. then I hand you the earpieces and I go, mm-hmm. here you go. Marty Garcia taught me that trick years ago, a million years ago, back when I was part of that scene. 
And he said, you never, ever, he's like, have the mix together first. And the way we do that actually on the big stages is we take the amp off stage. Oh yeah. Because most of the guys say to me, like, I miss feeling the, the air on the back of my leg from my amp, man. You know, like, like it's in your head. We take the amp off stage, which helps the house sound. Yep. You get the you get it mic'd correctly with the right mic in the right position. You have it all. Nobody's touching the volume knob either. (laughs) Nope. But when you again, when you have the big shirt, it's really easy when you need to go like, man, I'm digging in. Or if you hit your boost pedal and you have all your fun striming toys or whatever you're gonna use, you know, it's really cool to to have the option to know that what you're getting in your ears is as true and natural as it can be. And there's a point, and the reason why I mention this is because there's a, a way in which people tend to miss out on their mixes. Again, never the left side of the keys. Um, you know, I, I usually um, high pass the bass higher than most people do for the stage mix because there's so much rumble and conduction. Yep. Even if your subs are flown, there's backwash and there's time delay to that backwash. So, you know, and you talked about this on the show before, you know, you're talking about a millisecond per foot per second. And, you know, you, you want to make sure that the equations, and again, everybody has their own way of doing this. I know this to me, if it sounds good, I don't, but there are physics to this. Absolutely. Yeah. When you make this happen and you're in the big shirt and you're at the the big round three-dimensional way of mixing Mm -hmm. to everyone on stage, when you're using stereo, it allows you to make the image in stereo exactly what you see with your eyes. So your mind's eye has to agree with what you see and hear naturally. So if you're Paul in the center, if you're if you're, if you're uh, frontline center, okay, and you have, and I'm just going off the top of my head here. I'm not citing anything in particular. Sure. So you have your lead guitar player. You have another guitar player. You're the lead guitar player. I'll listen to you play lead all day. You have another guitar player on your left and an acoustic guitar player on your right, let's say. You don't want anything hard panned all the way in either direction, um, except for if you're using a click or you have an, an MD mic, a music director talking in your ear, in which case those can then be hard panned and you can bring them way down because you only need them to be audible. You don't need them for tone or pitch. They're just awareness. Okay. So 10 o'clock, two o'clock, your voice is, let's say, whichever hand you put your, whichever finger you put in your ear when you can't hear yourself. So let's say your left ear. So you have your voice at, let's say 11 o'clock and your guitar at one o'clock, still almost mono, but just enough. So the Tetris lets them intermingle and not cause occlusion, not block each other out, not phase each other out. And by doing this with the separation, if you look left, you see the guitar player on your left, you hear him on your left and the same to the right. Your keyboard player is, let's say, stage right. You only need his right hand anyway. You look right and you yeah, you have keyboard on your right. Your bass player is mono-mono. Your kick is dead center mono. And some people don't even do that. I like to do that because it allows me to bring it down. Yeah. Now, when you have everything as you see it. Um, and I, I will add to your... that before, before you go yeah. into the, the big picture. I have learned that I like my snare drum at about 1130, not Correct. dead center. I like my kick and the bass player dead center snare drum at about 1130. And it, That's I don't right. know why, but that makes a huge difference to me. But because it's where your mind's eye sees it. So that's probably it. that's a, a really interesting thing for the rest of the band. Like the keyboard player is the only one who has both hands for the drummer. You're going to do as you see it. Your snare is going to be at 11. Your first Tom will be at 12. The right. second Tom, if you have a second rack will be at one, maybe two floors, never too far to the right. That's a big mistake people make. Cause then right. you go like, you look behind. Yeah, you, you look you behind like, you for the guy hitting on. your floor, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your hi hat never as far to the left as you might think. You don't want to go to you know to eight o'clock, but you know ten ish. Yeah, maybe ten thirty ish in that range because it makes sense to your brain. Even, even if all I'm at. using is stereo overheads, I don't pan them hard. I pan them nope. maybe to three and nine and leave it that way, uh, and well, that works you've really seen, well. You've You've seen XY mics, and if you look at the diagram, it looks like two tennis balls, and they have a crossover point like a like a diagram. Okay? Yes, right. Um, so now, how do we make all this work together? Because we have all this stuff going on, and it's all crazy, right? 
So here's a little, here's a little rhythm section trick that I've developed and it's no secret. It's not my idea. It's not my creation, but because as a drummer using ears and mixing ears, and this is a principle that's actually now in some of the processing that you can get for, for your audio is you need to make a space for the kick drum and the bass to coexist. So you have a fundamental pitch. That's the note of your drum. And in a lot of cases, that's a, an awful like 80 Hertz, like so many people that use, like, I'm not a fan of using like uh, certain mics that, that are pre EQ'd. I like my kick drum mic to start pretty flat. And I like a lot of the mics. I've worked with a lot of mics, uh, with the mic companies. I, I endorse Sennheiser and Neumann. I'm, I'm on their artist list. And I, because of the sound, I just love their product. I love the product sound, but the Sennheiser kick mic, I don't use their kick drum mic. I use a flat response mic in my drum and I'm actually really excited. They have a new 445 mic. I want to try on my drums as well. That's a brand new dynamic that I want to try. So when you take that and you say, okay, my bass is playing at, you know, I don't know, whatever, you know, your, your note is, let's say, yeah. uh, Let's say we're, let's say we're at 73 on a D string, let's say you're at a low D you're at, you're at octave one. Um, sometimes if a five string, even below that. So at 75 Hertz, you need to be able to hear that, that middle bass string. So in your kick drum, you can allow, even in front of house, carve out a little space under there so that the sub of your kick still can peak out again, three dimensional. You're using the bigger shirt. You, so you're getting, from 63 down and you yeah. don't need much below, you know, you're, you're not going to hear anything really below 40 anyway for feel, but then, then you've created a little ice cream scoop. So the bass note is true. You don't lose the bass. The kick isn't a limit, isn't canceling out the bass and the bass isn't canceling out the kick. And then you have that little Tetris piece yeah. where they fit together so nicely. Now they, there are plugins now that do this as well, but I, I, I try to not do that. I try to start with a great mix first before I add any dynamics processing at all. Sure. That's just my thing. So that's Makes where sense. you kind of get to this. Now, when you, when you realize that, Hey man, it might be the mic. And then you start going for the mic box, which I have a ridiculous amount of, of microphones you like you guys, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I have this one, which I've had since day one. This is the Sennheiser has this, this really funky, large diaphragm MK4 mic, not particularly expensive. Sounds great on guitar amps. It gets a little, just enough sparkle, but again, like the bigger shirt, I like to start with maybe more than I need. I'd rather reduce. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yep. Makes sense. And so you, you end up this mic I use, for, I have for overheads. I use it for acoustic mm. guitars. I use it for all stuff. And then that way I can seek and destroy what I don't need. But a large diaphragm microphone like this, you get this, ah, that's just one example. That make, Vocal no, that makes in sense. particular. Yeah, that makes sense. Starting with a mic Vocal that is... every... Starting with a pre-EQ'd mic. Voice, Go ahead. Yeah. Every vocal mic I've ever heard, I can listen to and go, I know who this would be great for. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember... I remember seeing um i think it was springsteen who had an om7 at one point years ago and i was just blown away what a perfect fit it was just a perfect fit we were we had been doing years with max weinberg at future sonics uh when he was on conan i knew i knew and, he'd start dropping names folks i knew he'd start dropping names. oh man <laughs> and all of a sudden i was just like that is the perfect fit the perfect fit. Yeah. It was amazing. And so as we were going out and we would go out and they'd call us and go into do ears and go into do ears and you too and Shania Twain and all this stuff. And we would pick and choose which mic you wanted me to do it. I'm doing it. No, okay. it's great. Tom Petty. Great example was, was with Tom Petty. Tom Petty spent more time using a 57 as his vocal mic. Mm. Okay. Old school, yeah. but because he had that timber, he had that, that, bitey upper mid thing in his voice it was the perfect mic it was the perfect mic yeah don't don't amazing. worry that it's only a hundred bucks if it's the right mic it's the right mic yep unbelievable so you realize the, even especially in the small gigs where you need to sound like you this is when you're listening when you're mixing front of house when you're mixing monitors when you're performing 
the last thing you want to think about is the tech and where things are going to bite you or what's going to happen. If it's natural for me, the way I mix front of house, the way I mix ears is I want it to sound like you're not using anything at all. I want it to sound like I'm standing right in front of the band and you're set up in front of me and I'm listening to you play and I should be able to hear every instrument the way it sounds without a mic on it. Snares in particular. Snares, everybody has their thing about this snare drum and this is a, I'm going to use the, this eight inch truth snare and this then like, great. If that's what you like, but it should sound like it sounds, you should tune it the way it sounds. Use the strings that you need on your guitar to get the tone you want. Have the setup done correctly. Use the mouthpiece on your sacks use the reeds that are heavy enough you everything contributes to put good in get good out makes sense it's as simple as that if it sounds good to you before you ever put a mic on it it should sound good when you do okay so this is fantastic and, ah, and I've, i'm gonna yeah, breathe now take a breath uh <laughs> it, 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 you have given us a, fan, a a stellar amount of of tips here and i'm going to recap them briefly Mud lives in, and just doing these in chronological order. Mud lives in mono. Use stereo in ears if you can. Never take the left side of the keys unless you're the keyboard player, and maybe not even then. Uh, use or if you that, have no bass player, or if you have no bass player, sure. Yeah, and these are these are not universal truths. These are good places to start thinking about this right. stuff. Right. Your use, mileage may vary. Your mileage will vary. Right. Use the That's high correct. pass filter. Start with the bigger shirt. Don't hard pan anything like these are great tips. So thank you. I want to see I know we are are taking up a lot of your time, Dan. I, I want to see if in just a few minutes we can answer this question that comes up in a club about how do I make sure I don't feel disconnected from my audience? And right. you and I talked about this and and, you know, the, the easy answer is either to use ported ears, then that might or might not solve the problem, or to hang or somehow mount an audience mic somewhere, which can also bring too much of that sound in uh, at the wrong times. So I know there's no perfect answer to this, but if in a few minutes or less you can share a great approach <laughs> to start with, I would appreciate it. We would appreciate it. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. Let's. Say, you said Australia? That's where he is. Yeah, he's in Australia. So he gets, Australia. To, okay. he gets to play gigs. So, so, yeah. Right. That's right. Man, imagine that. Yeah. So, so check this out. Here's the thing. And that's speaking from crazy Florida, okay, where we've been yeah. open. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So here's the thing, okay? There are a couple of things to consider here. One is this. Um, there's a difference between a ported earpiece and a vented earpiece, okay? Ports and vents are not the same thing. Okay. Um, one is like when you think about like on a on a bass amp and you see like a or a kick port, you see an actual bass port that you, that opens up the the uh, resonance of the the low mid frequencies. It's really right. not low end. People think it is. It's really not. No, but it, you either it, it, extract or okay yeah. venting, and they they're very similar. Obviously, using either a completely closed or a partially vented earpiece that's not starting with proper EQ and a balanced setup and the right mics and all those things is counterproductive. Any good earpiece can be made to sound okay, and you will get enough ambience, enough open audience noise or whatever, assuming you have three or more vocal mics. If you have three or more open vocal mics, you're already getting a certain amount of latency to the ears. You're already getting a certain amount of ambient noise. And once they are high-passed and correctly EQ'd, you will get way less rumble coming through your ears through those vocal mics because of that, which further causes problems to your clarity of your mix. Once all that's gone, if you still need more connection to the audiences, as I, I hear this a lot, there are really the physics of the sound take over. There's a point at the front of your stage we call time zero. Time zero is the point at which the lip of the stage and the very edge of your PA meet. That's time zero. This zero latency relative to the time between the source and the output meet. Okay. In so many words, and I'm paraphrasing. For no, that time. makes sense. And that makes sense. I will, I, there's, there's too much to explain here and I'm trying not to oversimplify, but I'm not, I'm trying not to go. You're doing crazy. fine, man. So, when you're going to take 
a mic for ambience. I like a Rode, like an NT, an NT1 or an NT5 or sure. Rode makes a really good mic for this purpose. Um, Sennheiser, I've used 441s. I've used, um, you know, all kinds of things. In order to avoid picking up the sub and picking up the backwash from your mains and picking up too much of the band stage volume and all this other stuff, you're going to make sure that the only thing that comes through that mic is the part of the audience that gives you this, which is 1K up to about you know, let's say 4K. Okay. If you want to hear them singing, you can go back a little to maybe, you know, 600-ish. Because once you hit 500, you get that, you get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. start getting yep. you. You'll start hearing stuff through it. You'll start hearing noise from amps and everything else. You just need articulation. You just need, you need awareness. You don't want anything really, really in the dog ears above, you know, four or five K. Yeah. And you don't want anything below. So it's going to look really weird, but you only need it for the connection, for the awareness. You're not trying to hear conversations. No, you don't want to hear. Yeah, no, you really don't want to. You really don't want to, but (laughs) it's bad enough having to watch them sometimes. It's a very generic explanation. Yes. There will be times where you can, and people will argue with me over this. No, it should be flat or it should, we set it at a hundred or 200 or 300 or 400. No, this, this leave the top, you know, even if someone decides to go lower or higher with their EQ, the idea that you have shared here of aiming a semi-directional mic out and EQing it in the strangest way you've ever seen, but basically, you know, having this low pass filter, that starts at about, you know, 1K and maybe you bump it lower and a high pass filter at 4K and maybe you bump it higher. This very small little slice of the audio Tetris pie, that's the way to get that connection without adding that. We've been talking about it since literally the first moment of the show, that low end energy. You don't want anything fighting with you down there and you don't want stuff so harsh at the top that you're you're fatiguing your ears throughout the night. This when you're great. tuning a PA, we call that a haystack, where you see that little rise, except we're creating a deliberate haystack. Right. We're deliberately creating, we're taking everything down here out, we're taking everything up there out, we're creating this little uh, window yeah. to peek through. But remember, and I want to say this again, when you're getting three or more vocal mics into everybody's ears so that they can hear the singers, if you don't high pass those, what the mics pick up south of there, everything in those low end affects everybody's ears and you lose all your clarity. If you have somebody, you know, who's asking for 60 Hertz in their wedge and there, that means to me that their microphone is not going to be high pass for nothing. You know, as it were, you, you're just, you're just going to pick up all that rumble and murmur and everyone will hear it now fixable. So we take this, we're in this gig. We're going to do this thing. We're going to mix this show. And you have this acoustic act that's going to come in and you're going to have to actually do this thing we call a sound check, right? Sure. You get your people say, Oh, we line check. I have every, I can see everything. I can turn it up. It's like, no, no, no. We call that the braille Listen. mix in, in my circles where it's like, yes. yep, everything looks good. We mixed with our eyes. Everything's good. Yeah. So, yeah. This is a, it's a, it's a really cool thing to be able to do it because in the digital world, as you guys talk about all the time, when you're using whatever you're using as your board and you can save it, um, you can save a show file for each room you go to. And that way you go like, Oh, we're playing this click. We're back. Absolutely. You've done your homework. You've already, you're wearing the big shirt, man. That's the best thing to do. Like if you're playing a room for the first time or even the fifth time, if you've made adjustments throughout the night before you unplug the first cable, go to your mixer and hit save so that you've got that mix. That's a great piece of advice. So this is, we could, we we do this. I know I got to finish. I got to give you one okay, last all right, go ahead. This, Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, we could do this forever. But. Is it in? That's right. And, and it easily done as well. When I'm doing this in bands that go through, they have uh, a cycle of guest vocalists or in, a, in mm. worship where they have rotating band members. I keep a preset for each bass player, for each singer, for each headset wearing mic, for each yeah. everything so that so-and-so is playing today. Click done. 
so-and-so's a witch guitar. So I have one guy who plays, he has two acoustic guitars. He has a, a guild that is the, that it's passive. It's old school pickup it is the brightest, trillest thing. I have a low shelf on that thing down to almost one K. Wow. And it sounds beautiful. Sure. On the other hand, he has a second. So as soon as he walks in, which guitar you got, dude, click done. Kelly click done. Hollow body click. You got the Gretsch. You got the whatever Les Paul click, click, click done. Yeah, you adjust from there you once, but sure, you know that your game structure is correct. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and proximity and your correction is minimal. Yeah, yeah, it varies. Yeah, there are all kinds of things. Yeah, everybody's gonna be different. So anyway, I'll shut up now. But that's that's the thing. <laughs> These are the components. I told you we need the bumpers. This is, this yeah, is the no, thing. no, no. Wait, wait, um, you're, you're doing great, it's man. It's really, really fun. It it's is really, really fun to do because when it's right, there's this thing that we call the face. The face is my <laughs> favorite joy in the world is when you see somebody put their ears in and their shoulders go back for a second and they they have that thing like the first time you see your birthday candles all lit at the same time you know that face where you're like oh wow that's for me that's the face yeah it is the most amazing thing and and i want you to have it paul i want i want i want to serious i'm coming i want to come dude I've been telling you for years, I keep threatening you with a good time, but we're doing it. I'm telling you, we're doing it. Paul, do you have any last questions for Dan before we, uh, before we meander Uh, out here? Let me see. It was really useful to talk about that, that audience. I, 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 I'm going to go on faith now and, you know, Bill always listens to our sound guy, listens to these shows and I'm sure he'll take some notes from this, you know, intuitively, I don't believe what you said. No, I actually trust wise because my, the bro factor, I want to try it about getting the audience in, but you know, I'm I'm thinking about what it's like where, you know, you're on stage and a glass breaks at the bar. That's, you know, at, at 11 o'clock there and the audience reacts there and you don't, and immediately you don't believe your in-ears anymore. Right. You know, immediately when something happens in the natural world, I thought the most interesting thing that you were sharing here were a lot of things about the, the, the matching of, perception to the technology that you're trying to match to it. Right. And that's really fascinating to me. You know, again, I've had, I've, I've had maybe 20% of the time I've had a comfortable experience with ears. Usually they're on big outdoor stages, you know, where there's not a lot competing, but it is that the, the hardest thing I have, Dan is like you said, we're a loud band and the drummer, it's hard to turn a drummer down when a drummer starts playing louder because he's feeling it because there's energy in the room or whatever it is. But once that happens in my ears and all I'm hearing is drums for a couple seconds, I don't believe, and I can't stop the show and, you know, go for a big, you know, remix. And I, I'm not mixing myself in time because I'm busy leading the band and talking to the audience. So I'm, and Dave seems to nod his head a lot that guitarists and front people have particularly this problem. Dave gets a very, Dave's a drummer sitting on top of a very loud instrument and he seems to be comfortable all the time. Drummers seem to do it. But for me, once I don't believe in my in-ears, like I, once I think it's going to go south, I'm done for the night. I'm just going to take him out mm. and, and go with it. Right. And that's, that's really that um, kind of social engineering factor that is constantly at play for me. Once, once I think I've lost it, like I'll start and I'll trust and I'll try. But once something happens, it changes my reality. I just got to bail, you know, because I, you know, I, I just believe it's going to get worse from there. There are two reasons for that. And I'll tell you real quick. One is perceived sound versus what you're, you're looking at the perception of sound. The second is hearing fatigue. So what's happening is, is you have this seclusion that's building up and building up and building up and your ears get tired. Do you ever smell something funky? And then after a couple of seconds, you can't smell it anymore. And you go like, I smelled that. It was like, it's not COVID. I'm just saying like, you know, when you, when you have that thing where suddenly your brain desensitizes it, all of your senses will do this. Yeah. This is why you hear actors talk about working with, with green screen over time and blue screen and their, their color perception goes wonky because your brain goes, Nope, done. Sound is the same thing. And it takes less than 17 seconds. It can be less than 10 seconds. It can be less than seven seconds, depending on the problem where your brain will have an offending frequency on stage, particularly with guitar players and your brain will go, that's enough. And it's gone. And you can become disoriented. You can have all kinds of problems and you don't want to do that. So the way, the way we deal with that for you is you have a lot of open mics on stage. I would, I would go down to almost nothing because you're going to get enough of your horns. You're going to get enough of almost everything on your stage. If I were you, Paul, 
if you're I'd make sure you're in stereo and you have everything where it needs to be i would have kick snare bass your guitar the right hand keys and whoever you're harmonizing with only one no more than one vocal mm. other than your own all right, start right, right so right there this is my <laughs> life man right so i've tried that and then what happens is something changes or whatever you take out one earpiece and you feel the stage, you feel the horns and you're like, yes, I want that. That's what I want to feel. Right. But the risk of that is that your brain wants the equal volume on left and right sides. When you take an earpiece out, then suddenly you'll have to turn the other earpiece up to mm. match the ambient volume of your stage on an allowed stage. You're going to cause hearing fatigue. Your ear will shut off, mm. literally turn itself off or you will damage your hearing in such a way. And I'm sure we all, you know, anybody who's been playing more than a few years, we all have some loss to some degree. Yeah. You can fix it. The, the, there are a couple of things to do. And the one thing I'll tell everybody to do, including our friend in Australia, before you do anything, like we talked about plugging the guitar into the amp before your pedal board and making sure it sounds great. Same with anything else you're going to put in. Do this with your earpieces. Plug into a music player, a good headphone amp. Make sure you have enough something to drive it. And listen to some music. I happen to like hdtracks.com because they're uncompressed or Tidal does it or any decent, yeah. um, even Spotify's high-grade you know, signal. Yeah. Uh, Amazon has a really nice codec now. Apple Music has an okay to get in there, getting better. And make sure that the earpieces are giving you everything that you want. Same deal as the microphone. You may find that, you know what, man? Earpieces don't sound right. What's going on? Maybe cable, maybe connector, maybe something. Make sure all the pieces of your puzzle, when you put the Tetris in place, everything is working and that you have the bigger shirt. That's really the key. You've got to know that you're going to put this thing in the dryer, man. You, you have to know it has to fit at the end of the day. All right, brother. I'm going to get so much trouble for this. No, this has been great. Super helpful, so helpful. man. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let, thank oh, man, my joy. Thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, where can people find you, Dan? Um, I'm, I'm like everybody on social media. Most of my stuff is at East D E A S T D. My website is Daniel East.net. Um, that's always where you can find me, but, um, yeah, I, I love hearing from people, uh, especially when I'm cooking. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's Dan my fun thing. You know, I have all my recipes. I get, I get more, I get more email from my recipes than I do for my gigs. I believe it. We've cooked <laughs> awesome. with a lot of your recipes here at the house and there is oh, good reason right. for this. Oh yeah, man. That's oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 That's so yeah. cool. man. No, I miss great. you guys. I miss you too. I miss you guys. <laughs> it's great to do this though, Dan. Thanks for spending your time. Oh, it's my joy. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I told you, I listen every week. It's it's one of my favorite things. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for thanks for yelling back at a microphone today so that we could all get the benefit of it. <laughs> and uh, and folks, if you have any questions, you can find Dan uh, or you can find us at uh, at feedback at giggabpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks for everybody for listening. And uh, see you next time. Dan, what's that thing we say at the end of every episode? Do you remember? I'm not I'm not going there. I can't participate in these things. Paul be performing. Always be performing, but you know. <laughs>